This morning's uh, scripture reading from God's Word is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 11. I'll be reading from the King James Version. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 through 11. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed in repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold this self-same thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it brought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what, indig what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. It is good to be together as a family this morning, be together to praise God together as brothers and sisters. If you would, we're going to be working out of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'd appreciate it if you would uh, just keep your, keep your finger there or keep it open if you would. When I was a little boy, my grandmother, my grandma told this story, confusing story to me or to other people, but I was in the room with her on several occasions. And it was so confusing to me. She talked about a man who was having his house painted. And he, outside of his house, and he went outside to check on the painters. And he noticed that they had been watering down the paint in the cans in order to make it go a little further. But because of that, the paint, you could see through the paint to the wood. And he was very angry. And he yelled at them, repaint ye thinners and go and thin no more. I was a little boy. I didn't go to church. I didn't understand the play on words. But I was wondering about this idea of repentance turning around. And I was wondering about how many people actually, when they hear the word, they or repent or repentance, truly understand what it means. You know, we preach over and over again from all the pulpits throughout the brotherhood. We preach repentance, that you need to repent before you come to the Lord. It's vitally important. You think about Acts chapter 2 when, when Peter's preaching. And he's talking about Jesus dying and the men, the people listening to this sermon realize we are the ones who are responsible for his death. And scripture says they were cut to the heart. And then they ask men and brethren, what do we do? And notice what Peter said, not not be baptized, not confess. He said, repent, repent, 238 and be baptized. It's important. It's vital. 
This morning we're going to be looking at the concept of true repentance. And yet we talk about repentance. Yes, that's turning away, that's turning around and moving in a different direction spiritually, understanding that you're a sinner. But we're going to be looking at that concept because it's also a, a change in the way of thinking. It's also in a change in the way of, of the direction that you're living. And so using this scripture in chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, we're going to be looking at different aspects, three elements that go along with true repentance. And so if we're looking at chapter 2 of, uh, I mean, yeah, chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, we need to understand that there was a 1 Corinthians. And the, our scripture reading today, you just heard that, that Paul was talking about a letter that he had written to the Corinthians. And that's a previous letter, the letter that we have, the epistle, he might say, uh, of the first to the Corinthians, that first epistle. And in that, he kind of got on to them about something that was happening around them that... In 1 Corinthians 5, concerning their attitude toward the members who, toward one of the members who was being sexually immoral, taking his father's wife. And Paul says, y'all just turned your head. Y'all were puffed up. Y'all were actually proud. Seemed like you were proud of what you're doing. And he gets on to them and he says, you need to change. Something about this situation needs to change. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 7 11 and realize that they have, in verse 9, repented. Paul is excited about this. Paul has heard the news, and now he's letting them know, I didn't enjoy sending this letter. I didn't enjoy what I had to say, and it hurt me. It filled me with sorrow, and I know it filled you with sorrow too. But now I'm glad that I sent it. Because that sorrow that you felt led to repentance, verse 9. And so we're going to look at three elements of true repentance. And we're going to contemplate what they mean in our lives. And, and I need to let you know that we're going to take words from verse 11 and look at them. And when I put this on the screen, you're going to see indignation, New King James, I mean, NKJV, ESV, NIV, KJV, and NAS. And if, you, if you're new to all this, this is, these are letters that, that indicate what translation of the Bible they're found in. And so if I say New King, NKJV, New King James, NIV, New International, KJV, King James, and New American Standard. So if, I, if you see these letters, that's what that means if you've never been exposed to this before. But I want you to notice, I want you to notice these words, indignation and vindication of yourselves. Indignation and, and vindication of yourselves. What does that mean? True repentance. When I realize... When I realize that I've messed up, when I realize that I've broken God's heart, when I realize that I have totally gone against the law of God, when I'm, and, and I will be angry at myself about what I've done, and I will be angry about what sin has done, I will hate sin, and I will hate his destructiveness, I will have indignation. And then also this idea of vindicating ourselves, New American Standard. 
We want to make it right. Emotionally, we are angry about this. The next word you have is fear. New King James, New American Standard, English Standard. And then the NIV says alarm. And under, in other words, it's a, it's a healthy respect. It is you're afraid of what sin can do. You're afraid. You are alarmed about it being around. You understand. You're going to notice it. You're going to respect it and, and the danger that it causes. You're also going to be fearful of the one, the God who is a God of justice, and you get on his bad side and you deserve to be punished. We're going to respect the danger of living in sin. The next word, vehement desire, New King James, King James, and longing, English Standard and New American Standard, NIV, this emotional sensation of desiring, wanting so badly to what? To be reconciled, to be brought back together to this God whose heart we have broken and forgiven by the one against whom we've sinned. Vehement desire, this emotional feeling. We have zeal or concern. You're zealous for someone and you encounter, you start a relationship with this person and, and you love them so, and you're zealous, you have zeal. You, you are crazy about them and you are concerned and you want to make sure... That you give everything you have in order to make them happy. You think about that relationship that you have with God. And when we sin and we need to repent and we truly repent, we do it out, an, out of emotional feeling of concern and zeal and love for God. Caring about someone so much that we would do anything to make them happy. And in this case, we want to make God happy. And so we repent. It's an emotional decision. Zeal. You might, you might use that phrase, and you've heard this phrase used. He or she is on fire for God. They love him. They care about him. They want to have a good relationship with him. And if they mess up, they are emotionally disturbed about it. So it is an emotional decision. When, when you truly repent, it's emotional. When you truly repent, it's mental. It's mental. You have this word diligent, earnestness, carefulness, carefulness. And, and you're serious about this. You've thought about this. And you're ready to get back on the right road. We are eager to, as best as we can, pursue, go after righteousness. We're ready. We've decided enough is enough. And we're ready to walk the narrow road again. Matthew 7. You have the word also in 11. Vindication. Punishment. Readiness to see justice done and revenge. Interesting words. Interesting words. And all these words seem different to me. But we need to understand this, and, and we come to, to conclusion mentally. And our mentality will be changed once we start thinking about this, that sin has its consequences. And the Christians at Corinth accepted this. 
And when we as children of God understand that we've broken God's law and we've sinned, we need to understand that there are consequences that go along with this. A repentant Christian, a penitent Christian, understands he accepts God's discipline to those he loves. Hebrews 12, 6, quoting Psalm 3, quoting, and then you have it again in Revelation 3, 19, that God disciplines those he loves. He disciplines his children, and he does it out of love. And we need to understand that, that when we truly repent, we understand that there will be consequences. Mentally, we've we've. We've understood that. Also, again, we have this word fear for this mental part of it. Or alarm. At one point, the Corinthians, according to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, at one point, they were numb to the sin around them. At one point, they, they couldn't care any less. At one point, it was going on, but it had been going on, and, and they didn't even realize it. And Paul says they were puffed up or they were proud. They were arrogant. At one point, they were in trouble. But their mentality changed. Once they decided to repent, their mentality changed from ignoring and accepting sin to abhorring or being disgusted what is evil with what is evil Romans 12:9 you go from a dirty situation and you're used to the filth around you and you're used to smells and you're used to atmospheric conditions and then you go into a place that is clean and fresh you go into the mountains and you realize I've been living in squalor and this and, and stench and now I'm in the fresh air and I realize just how nasty that was this air and the place around me and now I'm outside in, in the clean air and I can see the difference and a truly penitent Christian is going to look at sin that they were so used to at one point and be disgusted. And be disgusted. Fear and alarm. Fear and alarm. You also have diligence, earnestness, and, and carefulness. Because we've, we've moved on to a, a motivational decision. In other words, something happens when we decide to repent, to truly repent of our sins and walk in a different way. Our, our mind changes and our, based on our feelings and, and thinking through things. But once we do that, then we become earnest. Once we do that, then we, we get careful. Once we do that, we start living our lives diligently. And true repentance brings about walking carefully. It's mentioned in Ephesians 5.19. Walk carefully as wise, not as unwise. Walk carefully. Someone who is truly penitent, someone who has made that decision, enough of this, I'm turning away and going this direction, and I will be walking carefully from here on out, earnestly, with diligence. We have this result in all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. 
That's the result of all this repentance, of all this mentality of changing, and all of this emotional sorrow. Because we've cleared ourselves, New King James. We're motivated to do something about it. We have a desire to do whatever it takes to get back in God's graces. And Paul says, you did it. And you've made it. And again, look at this. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. It's an amazing thing to go through the process of asking for forgiveness from God when you realize, when we realize what we've been doing. And Paul, here, his attitude is, and he's already said, Titus has brought this news, and I am ecstatic. I am so excited about the result of, of this letter. You've listened to me, you've taken it to heart, and you've changed your minds, and you've changed your hearts, and you are walking in the right direction. You have truly repented, and you've been forgiven. And it's a difficult thing to understand that we have been cleared. We wanted to be cleared. We wanted to be vindicated. And now we are once we truly repent. Okay, so that's a concept. Let's look at how it works. Luke 15, 11 through 32. You can turn there. I'm going to summarize it and hit land on a few verses there. Luke chapter 15. We have the story of what we usually call the prodigal son. And Prodigal actually means literally wasteful. And so someone might say, well, he's the prodigal. Well, you would say he is prodigal. He is wasteful. Because he's taken his dad, he's taken his inheritance from his father, and he's gone, scripture says, to a faraway place. And he squandered or he wasted the money that he'd been given to the point where he is living in squalor himself. And then in 18 and 19 of Luke 15, he makes an emotional decision to come back. Uh, he realizes what he's done wrong. There's a famine going on and he's out of money and he's feeding pots to hogs. And he realizes it emotionally, emotionally what he's done wrong and where he's ended up. In 15, he came to himself, scriptures. He made a mental decision to come back home. Mentally, he thought about it. He looked over his situation and he decided it's time to go back. It's time to turn away from this and go back home. And then 15, 18 through 20, he's motivated to go home. And emotionally, he realizes I've got to go to my dad and I've got to tell him, look, I understand. I am, I'm lower than a servant. I understand that. But I'm going home. And he makes this he makes a motivational decision to go home. And think about that. But I want you to notice some other scriptures, a few other scriptures. I want you to notice Jeremiah 30, 31, 17 through 20. 17 through 20. We can talk about David. And we can talk about the prodigal or the wasteful son. But when you have the process laid out before us as to what we need to do when we are caught in sin, caught up in sin, and we realize that we, we've got to get out of this and we make up our minds to move away from this, to turn our backs on it, and we, we, we are emotional, we are sorry about it, and then we're motivated. Look at, look at Jeremiah 31. 
And listen to this. There's hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. 18, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. Here's what he says. You've chastised me, and I was chastised like an untrained bull. So restore me, and I will return for why. You are the Lord my God. And then he says in 19, surely after my turning, I repented. And after I was instructed, here we go, sorrow, emotional. I struck myself on the thigh. He was angry at himself. He says I was ashamed and I was humiliated because I bore the reproach of my youth. He says, 20, God says, is, is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? Even for though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. He's repented and it's emotion. It was a mental decision. It was an emotional decision and he's motivated and he comes back to God. Yes, he's angry at himself, but he seeks vindication. Yes, he's angry at himself, but he wants to be cleared. And God says, I love him and I'm taking him back. And we look at Joel chapter 2. And we look at 12 and 13 and I'll give you time to go there. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful little section. You want the formula. You want to see it in action. And then you have this situation in, in Joel. Emotional, mental, and motivational. 11. Let's start in 11. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? And then, yet... Even now, declares the Lord, he wants us. Return to me with what? With all of your heart. And you're going to weep? Emotional? You're going to fast? And you're going to do that mentally and motivationally? And you are going to mourn. And you are going to tear your hearts. Don't worry about your garments. That's just something that is for show. But you tear your hearts. Feel it. And then return to the Lord your God. Why? Because he's gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. It takes us making a decision. It takes us being sorry, godly sorrow, and that'll produce repentance based on our emotional decisions, our mental decisions, and we will be motivated. You know, a lot of people underestimate the power of rushing water. They underestimate it. And I remember growing up in, in, in Washington State and trying to cross rivers where it looks shallow and then you step in it and it just almost sweeps you away. Not too long ago, the National Weather Service started a campaign to encourage people not to drive into moving water. And they, they termed, they coined the term, turn around, don't drown. Because the problem is that people have the mindset to, that they can make it through. And even though they survive being washed away in their vehicles, they might need to be rescued. Now, think about this. This is from the National Weather Service. It takes six 
inches of rushing water to knock over an adult. It takes 12 inches of rushing water to wash a car away. And, and that two feet, then two feet just to, to, to carry most vehicles. And sometimes, if the water is strong enough, it can knock a train down. And yet people still try to get across. If 70 people report, were reported to have drowned during Har Harvey, and researchers from the Netherlands and, and from Texas have, have researched these deaths, these drowning deaths, and they realized that most of these deaths occurred when people tried to drive through the flooded water, the flooded streets. All they had to do was turn around, just to turn around. They didn't realize... <laughs> The danger, obviously, they thought they can make it through. I think that we might do the same thing with our lives at different times when, we're, when we are sinning and in, in the mode of continual sin. And I think we might have the mindset sometimes that we can survive those rushing waters. We can step into it. Maybe we can get into it. And maybe we won't be washed away because we've got control over our lives. Instead of turning away and getting out of the water, we decide, you know what, it's getting a little rough. I think I'll just step back a few steps. We just back off instead of turning our backs. We say, one more picture, one more video that I shouldn't be wa watching at all, and I'm done. You know, one, one more sharing of, of a little morsel of information about someone else to someone. I shouldn't even be talking about that person. One more physical encounter with this person, and I will call it off. We will back off. It will be over. One more lie, and I'm done. One more drink, and I'm done. One more dose, and I'm done. And whatever we're dealing with, we need to understand, stop backing off and get out of there. Turn around. Turn away before you get swept away. So we end this morning's time together with this question that I present to you. What do you need to turn away from? And if you need to turn away, get out of some place. Turn around. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? If you're a Christian <laughs> and you've been playing in the water, just testing it, man, get out. Get out. Repent. Turn away emotionally, mentally, and then motivationally. If you're not a Christian, you need to know this. You are in danger of going to hell for forever. You need to know that and understand that. And the first step that you take once you acknowledge that you are separated from God and a sinner, the first step you take, just like Acts chapter 2, 38, is repent. Turn away. Turn around before it's too late. So if anyone needs to respond to the invitation for any reason, let us know now as we stand and as we sing.